I'm not sure if this is the uh, smallest meeting we've had or not, but... <laughs> but um, I'm well aware of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. In fact, I was wondering whether I ought to change my message for today in the light of the situation with Yolanda. But uh, decided to stick what I felt the Lord had laid on my heart. Although, as you will see, it has some reference to Yolanda at one point. But yesterday we had uh, a special program here to learn about evangelism. And I thought it would be good, even though I know we're only a few of us, but I thought it would be good to share something about this whole subject of sharing our faith with others. There was a plumber who came to Christ. And he was living in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And near where he lived, there was a monastery. And he thought he would go there to learn more about the Christian faith. And if you know about monasteries, you know that they don't have much contact with other people. And <laughs> one of, one of the, uh, the customs of this monastery was that everybody that goes there at some point had to preach a message. And this man was a very simple man. And he was very frightened about doing this. And when it was his turn, he saw on the list he had to speak at the next church service. He uh, realized it was his turn. And so he gets up into the pulpit. And he says, does anybody here know what I'm going to speak about? And they all said, no. He said, well, I don't know either. And he went out and went up to his room. <laughs> but just then, after one minute, there was a loud knock on the door and the person in charge of the monastery came in and spoke to him. And he said, look, you know the conditions of being here. You've got to preach one message, just one message. Next week it's your turn again. So next week it was his turn to speak. And he asked the same question. Does anybody here know what I'm going to speak about? But this time they all said, yes, yes, we do. 
So he says, well, if you already know, I don't need to tell you then. And he went out and went up to his room. And then again, there was a loud knock on the door. And the person in charge came to him and said, look, this is, this is not right. I'm going to give you one more chance. Next week it's your turn. You must prepare a talk. So next week he gets up. And he asks the same question. Does anybody here know what I'm going to talk about? But this time half of the people there were saying yes. And half of them were saying no. So he says, those who do know, go and tell those who don't know. And he goes up to his room. But then nothing happened. There was no loud knock on the door. And about an hour went by. There was a gentle knock on the door. And the person in charge of the monastery comes into his room. And he sits down. He says, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the greatest message that we've ever had at this place. So the plumber was a bit surprised. What did he say? And the man in charge said, do you know what you said today? You said, those who do know, go and tell those who don't know. And that, that's the very thing that we have not been doing in this monastery. We've kept it to ourselves. We have no contact with the people outside. And this was the beginning of a, of a spiritual renewal in this monastery. And they realized that that good news that they had received, they had to go out and tell others around. And when we look at the Christian life, and what the church is supposed to do, we recognize that Evangelism or sharing our faith is an important part. William Temple, who was an archbishop in this country, he says the Christian church is the one organization in the world that exists purely for the benefit of non-members. Now that's not completely true. I mean... For us who are in the church, we do receive some benefit. I mean, we, we enjoy the fellowship. We receive teaching. 
We worship the Lord. But he's making a very important point. Because any organization that you join is usually for just the people that are part of that organization. But he's saying that really the church is for those that are not the members of the church. That we need to go out and to be able to share our faith with others. And of course, in this sense, the Bible is our guidebook. It's is a model for us to follow. And it certainly emphasizes that this is the mission of the church. And so we see that in the book of Acts. The church is started. 3,000 are converted. Sorry? 3,000. But there they are sharing their faith with others. And of course that brings opposition. And that's been the story of the church for 2,000 years. There's growth and there's persecution and opposition. And we might ask the question, what were the motives of these early Christians? In fact, we're going to be talking about four points today. What are our motives? What's our message? What's the means? And what's, and what's the method? What about... What is it that what what was it that motivated those early Christians? Why did why did they bother to do it? And the same question comes today. Many people are upset because we want to be involved in evangelism. And increasingly within Western Europe, governments are putting pressure on churches not to do evangelism. So why did they bother? Well, there's three reasons. First of all, they bother because of God's love. The most famous verse in the Bible. John 3.16. I mentioned yesterday that I remember watching the Olympic Games in Istanbul some years ago. And... Uh, they, are, they were showing the Olympic Games on television. And I saw in this great big stadium, there was obviously a Christian who wanted to share his faith. And he had a big piece of paper, and he written on it, John 3.16. 
But I thought to myself, people aren't going to know what John 3:16 is. But for those who know, it is. What a wonderful verse. For God so loved the world. That he gave his son. And, and it was this fact that God has loved the world that motivated these early Christians. And the truth is that God's love has been implanted in our hearts. God's, Paul says, he said, God's love fills our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to reflect that love to us. Why has Jesus not yet come? All Christians believe that Jesus is coming. But 2,000 years have gone by. And so many think he's not coming. If I remember in Iran, I met an American lady who was supposed to be a Christian. And she said, he's already come. I thought, well, that's news to me. I don't know where he came. <laughs> and uh, she thought that on the day of Pentecost, because the Spirit of Jesus had come, that was it. But no, we believe that Jesus will come physically again in the future. But why hasn't he come? Well, there's many reasons. But one of them is in the Bible. It says that God hasn't forgotten his promise. For God, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. But it says God is not willing for anyone to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. And so it's God's mercy, God's love that we still are living in the day of grace. So that was the first reason why the, the Christians bothered to do something because they knew the reality of God's love. But secondly, the reason why they bothered was because of Christ's command. And we know that the Gospels mention this. Almost Almost the last thing that Jesus said. That we're to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He says in Acts 1.8, you're going to be my witnesses. We're not Jehovah Witnesses. But we're Christ's witnesses. In fact, I sometimes wish that maybe we had the same belief as the Jehovah Witnesses. Because they have to spend 30 hours every month in evangelism. Uh, for us, it's not compulsory in one sense. And maybe our problem is more one of laziness. 
But maybe we should add, Brother Edward, this point to our, to our church constitution. Every Christian 30 hours every month. <laughs> but, but what a responsibility we have. And Paul talks about reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. But he says God has given us this ministry, this message of reconciliation to give to others. And he says we are like ambassadors for Christ. And you know what Paul says? If I preach the gospel, that does not give me any ground for boasting. Because necessity is laid upon me. I, I need to do it. I ought to do it. Woe, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I mean, it's very strong language. What does Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one of those commandments is to share our faith with others. So, first of all, there's God's love. Then there's Christ's command. But thirdly, there's also, there's also people's need. The need of people around us. The Bible says they, they are dead. Yes, physically they're alive. But spiritually they are dead. They're without hope. They are without God. Now it's very difficult to convince people of this. And we know, course, we know of course that the God of this world who is Satan, he has blinded people's eyes. But the reality is this, people may be blind... But they know they have a need. Because there's like, like an emptiness inside them. And, 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 and we believe that we only become complete people when we're in Christ. And so therefore, why do we want people our friends, our family, why do we want them to believe in Christ? We're still talking about people's need, but I want to tell you what the message is. And there's four parts to our message. Why should they believe? Because only in Christ can we find, first of all, fulfillment in this life. Pascal, who was a great uh, French uh, mathematician, philosopher, 
became a Christian later on in life. And he said something that's become very famous. He says there is a God-shaped vacuum in everybody's life. Which, which can only be filled by the Creator God through Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying? There's an emptiness there. It's like a vacuum, but that vacuum is being is like in the shape of God. Because God has put it there, because God has made us. Because we're cut off from Him, there's a problem here. No wonder Jesus said, and this is also in the Old Testament. Man shall not live by bread alone. And many people recognize this need. I remember many years ago, you know the uh, uh, Miss World Beauty Contest. Many years ago, uh, the lady that won this competition was Miss India. And before she became famous in this contest, she was a, a nurse working in the villages in India. Anyway, she became famous, she became Miss World. And she was traveling all over. About six months later, she came to where I was, to my city. And they interviewed her. And I remember reading it in the newspaper. She says, being Miss World is a very empty life. I miss my old life very much. And I read that, I thought, isn't that interesting? Here's this lady now famous with money and so on and so on. But life is much more than that. Because it doesn't matter how much money we've got. Or what position we have. If we don't know God, the emptiness is true. And we believe in a God who wants to enter into our lives. He wants to change us. He wants to bring fulfillment. And praise God for... The testimonies, which includes you here today and many others who can say, yes, I know that Christ has changed my life. 
And this morning we were listening to the testimonies of people whose lives have been changed. One of them speaking said he had tried many, many different things. But found fulfillment, found God in Christ. And doesn't matter where we're from, whether we're Armenian or whether we're English. Our need is the same. Even in the worst circumstances. I was thinking of two Armenian brothers from Iran. Uh, who have been involved in the Lord's work for many years. But at one time their lives were a mess. And I remember getting to know these brothers for the first time about seven years ago. There was a conference in Holland. And a, a, an Iranian conference. A lot of the pastors from the Iranian church were there. And uh, there was a meeting for the Christian leaders. And uh, Brother Lazarus was leading the meeting. And I think there may be two or three hundred of us there. And Lazarus wanted to introduce some of the guests who were there. And we got near the end of the meeting. And there was one minute left. And he still wanted to introduce two more people. One was named Fred and one was named Henry. Fred Evandre. He says, Fred, you come here. Fred Henry, you come here. Henry Nunpes. And so they came out the front. One minute left. So he says to Fred, Fred, how long were you in prison? And he gives the answer. He says to Henry, how long were you in prison? He gives the answer. Thank you, go and sit down. And we suddenly realize what was, what was being said. These, these two brothers that were now in ministry, that were pastors, you know, leaders. What were they at one time? Where were they at one time? Because of drug addiction and other problems, they were in prison. But Christ had saved them. Christ had brought fulfillment into their lives. Christ had freed them. And it freed them and changed them to such an extent that here they were as ministers of the Lord. And we praise God for thousands and thousands of testimonies like that around the world. That it's not Christianity or religion that's changed us. But it's the living Christ. I think most of our Persian church right now have gone to Croydon this afternoon. 
Brother Miltan is there. Himself was a drug addict and now is in ministry. And right now they'll be having a baptism service. Eleven people are being baptized. Praise God. He's the one that changes people's lives. And that's what motivates us to want to share our faith. Because only in Christ can this fulfillment be found. But what else? What is our message? It's not just fulfillment in this life. But it also gives us a hope for the future. Now I know that um, last week I think Brother Edward uh, mentioned this in his message. The fact that we can know where we're going. And it's here that I wanted to make reference to Yolanda. I mean, who would have thought that we would be in this situation right now. Twenty-two-year-old. Well, one day. The next day at the point of death. Now we're praying, of course, that God will heal. But you know, situations like this happen every day around the world. And it reminds us that life can be so brief. That people can suddenly be gone. It doesn't matter what the age is. But the reality is that life is short and eternity is real. What I find so difficult to understand is that people who are willing to think about their future in terms of retirement do not think about what's going to happen for eternity. And that's why Jesus talked more about this than anybody else. Like the, the rich man who had so much stuff he didn't know what to do with it. And he says, well, I'm going to pull down my barn and I build a bigger one. And God calls that man a fool. Tonight, you're going to die. And all these things you've got, what's going to happen to them? But it's interesting, that story is in Luke 12. But in Luke 16, there's another story, which is like a continuation of the story from Luke 12. It's not the same story, but it could be. Because Jesus tells us what happens after he dies. Nobody else in history has been able to do that. 
ոչ ոք չի մաց այս աշխարքի պատմության մեջ կարողանա մեկ կյանքի մեկ մարդու կյանքը մեռնելուց հետո ասի because nobody knows որտե ոչ ոք չի իմանում but jesus knows բայց իսուս իմանում է and he tells us what happens to this եւ ինքն ասում է որ ինչ է պատահում he dies he dies նա մեռնում է and he finds himself in uh, the world of the dead like hell եւ ինքը դժուխքում է գտնում իրան and another person dies who's now in heaven եւ մյուս մեկը մեռնում է եւ գնում է դրախտ and this man who's in hell is in pain եւ ես մյուքի որ դժուխքումներ ցավի մեջ էր and 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 he calls up to abraham he says abraham send somebody to help me եւ ինքը կանչում է աբրահամին աբրահամին եւ ասում է մյուք ուղարկիր Of course it is a story that Jesus is. Yarke sami patmichune. But it has an important truth. Bait met irakanichun uni met. Because Abraham says, "Sorry, you know, there's such a big gap we can't do anything. It's too late." Yev Abraham nasmavor shat mes taratutun ka yev shat ushe voch me panchen karoganel. And then this man thinks about his brothers. Bait es marte ishme ra yekhpore. And he says, "Abraham, I've got five brothers." Եվ ասմավոր Աբրահամ ես ինքն ա տեղբայր ունեմ։ I don't want them to come where I am. Ես չեմ ուզում նրանք նույն տեղի կան որ ես եկել եմ։ Please tell us, please send that man whose name was Lazarus. You send him to warn my brothers not to make them say. Ցնցում եմ Ղազարեսին ուղարկիր որ իմ եղբայրներից օգնի որ նույն տեղը չկան։ And Abraham says, look, uh, even if um, Lazarus was to come back, they're not going to believe. Եվ ասում նույնպես եթե Ղազարոսն են մերեններից արթնանա կենթանանա նրանք չեն հավատա։ First of all he says look they got the bible. Առաջերտին նրանք հավատարան ունեն։ They can read what they're supposed to do. Կարող են կարդան եւ իմանում են ինչ անեն։ And then the man says well okay but you know if somebody was to rise from the dead you know come back to life they would surely believe. Բայց ասում եմ եթե մի օքի մերեններից արթնանաս կենթանանա դրանք ավելի շատ հավատ կունենան։ And Abraham says look if they're not willing to believe what's in the bible even if somebody comes back from the dead they still will. Բայց Աբրահամ ասում եմ եթե նրանք ավետարանին չեն հավատում եթե մի օքի էլ կենթանանա դրանով անտեր չեն հավատա։ Now is Jesus is telling us this. Դա Հիսուսն է մեզի ասում։ The importance of being prepared for the future. Ու ինչպես իշքան կարևոր է որ մենք պատրաստ լինենք ապագայի համար։ And this is part of our message for people around. Եվ ծա մեր պատկամի մեկ մասն է մեր շրջակայքի համար։ Because people not only do not know where they're going, they're also afraid of death. Ոչ թե ժողովուրդը չեն իմանում ուր են գնում, բայց ոս նույնպես էլ վախ ունեն մահից։ And one of the reasons why Jesus came was to free us from the fear of death. Եվ նա պատճառներից էր Հիսուս եկավ որ մեզի մահի վախիցը արցակի։ And I'm glad that even though it's difficult for the Rogers family at this time with Yolanda. Եվ գիտեմ որ Արփի եւ Rogers family համար շատ դժվար է այս դրության ժամանակ։ As Yvonne was talking to me she says we, we at least know that Yolanda belongs to the Lord that if she is to go we know where she's going. Ասում եմ որ Yvonne asked for գոնեմ են գիտենք որ յոլանդան եթե կնա այս աշխարհից գիտենք ուր է գնում քրիստոսի մոտ է գնում and that's a wonderful hope that we have եւ շատ մեծ հույս է մեզ համար but believe me there are millions of people out there that don't have this hope բայց շատ միլիոներ մարդիկ ան որ այս հույսը չունեն իրանց կյանքի մեջ and so part of the need is that people will not only find peace and freedom and fulfillment for this life but also for the life to come. Միատ կարիքներից այն է որ մենք իմանանք ոչ թե բավարարություն ստանանք մեր կյանքի մեջ, այլ ապագայի կյանքի մեջ. But the third aspect of our message is that of course it's the truth. 
The world is full of messages. Religions and groups. Recently, uh, they sent to our church here a DVD about uh, Sinatology. I won't go into the reason why they sent it to us. And somebody gave me a book about it. And I tried to read it. I could not, I could not understand it. And yet people, even some famous people, have become followers of this new The world is full of these things. Where is the truth? And Jesus says, I am the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I remember a man who years ago was coming to our church. He was an American. His name was Hamid. Now you think, an American whose name's Hamid? He was originally a Christian. I mean, Christian by name. And uh, there were problems in the church. People stole some money. And so, so he left Christian. And uh, he became a Muslim. So he changed his name to Hamid. And then after a while, there were, there were problems in the mosque. And they, someone stole some money. So he became disillusioned with Islam. And he moved to England. And uh, Sam's daughter Sharon got to know his daughter at school. And I'll make the story very short. The story is a long story, yeah. but I'll make it very yeah. short. Okay. <laughs> he came in contact with us and he heard the message. And he came to Ashburnham to the conference. And Ravi Zacharias was preaching. And he mentioned this saying from Jesus. Jesus said, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone who is looking, who is, wants the truth, Jesus says, hears my voice. Jesus said this to Pilate in John 18. And Hamid was sat at the back. He had a John's Gospel in his pocket. And he heard that. And he got out and he went outside. And it was like a revelation to him that the truth 
is found not in Christianity as a religion. Or in any other religion. But it is found in Christ. And he gave his life to Christ. What a, what a, what a wonderful blessing that we know where the truth is. And that motivates us to want to share this with others. Paul says that God desires everyone to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. But there's, one, but there's one other aspect of our message. But also the reality of forgiveness of sins. And this is linked with repentance for sins. There is a danger in us just talking about people's needs. Because no doubt we will meet somebody that will say, I don't need anything. I'm okay. Even though in reality they do have needs. But they say, no, it's not for me, it's for somebody else. And, I'm, and in some of our meetings, because we don't want to force the message on people, we say, well, look, this is the message. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, feel free to make your own decision. And if you don't want it, then... Uh, the farmer, you can go. Mm-hmm. But you know what Paul would say if he was here today? What did he say when he was in Athens? God commands people to repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent. So we don't just come to Christ to have our needs met. Although he meets our needs. And he gives us hope for the future. We come to know the truth. But the main part of our message is that before God, I am a guilty, helpless, sinful person. And judgment is coming. And God commands us to turn from our sin and to receive forgiveness of sin. But praise God, we're still living in this day of grace, as we say, when people can respond. <laughs> so 
So, so this, this, this is the message. First of all, it's for us. But it's also to motivate us to share it with people around. So these were some of the motives for the early church. Because of God's love. Christ's command. And because people needed to hear this message. But what about the means? Who's going to do it? Is God going to do it? Well, yes, God is at work. But the wonderful thing is this, that God has chosen to use us. And it's a wonderful privilege to realize that to use the words of Paul, we're like God's partners, we're God's fellow workers. In this world. Which reminds us that as we go, we're not alone. We are like the means in the hands of God. Jesus says you are to go. He says all authority has been given to me. You go and I will be with you to the end of the age. So he not only sends us, but he comes with us. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. So we've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're all working with us. And that's why Jesus told those disciples, look, don't you go anywhere. You stay in Jerusalem until you receive that power from on high. remember seeing an old film called The Power of the Resurrection. Power of Resurrection. And Jesus has just gone back to heaven. And the disciples are sat there. And yes, they were praying. But as the days go by, uh, they thought, what's going to happen? And uh, this is obvious, this is just a film. But in the film, you see that after one week, some of them were getting tired. They said, why are we still here? Let's get out. Let's go and tell people. We know who Jesus is. We know he died. We know he's alive. We know where he's gone. Why are we sitting here? And in this film, uh, Peter stands up and he gives the answer. He says, let me give you an answer. Sorry. Let me give you the answer. Uh, I used to think like you. I thought we could do it. I thought I was, I thought I was strong. I said I'm willing Jesus even to die with you. But I ended up denying him three times. 
We are weak. Մենք շատ կար ենք. We need help. Մենք կարիք ունենք օգնության. And that's why the master told us to wait until power comes from on high. Իվ դրամայ որ աստված մեզ ասել է որ սпасեք միջով որ ծորությունը ձեր վրագա։ And so we wait. You are spasing. And they waited of course as you know. Եվ գիտեք որ սпасեցին։ And on that wonderful day when all these people were there in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell as you know. Եվ այդ հաշալի օրում էր որ Սուրբոքին թափեց։ Praise God for his power that's available to help us. Parkastu Christosi zorutyan hamar vor mezamare. And I remember when this became clear for me. Yev sain chap parzvets. I was working in an office. Miat ofisum eim gortsum. And I thought how can I witness to these people here? Yev matatsum eim inchpes em karogh es vgayutun tamais mar. I felt very fearful. Yev shat vakhov lesvetsi. Lord what shall I do? How can I do it? Inchanem inchpes gort inchpes asem. And the Lord spoke to me through his word. And as it says there, it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But a spirit of a spirit of power. Spirit of love. And of self-control. And then the next verse says this. Therefore, and in English, if you find the word therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. It says, therefore, don't be ashamed of testifying to our Lord. I said, Lord, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. Help me with your help to be able to share my faith with people. Which leads me to my last point. We are we are the means. God wants to use us. But what's the method? Well, there isn't one method. Evangelism should be a way of life. Yes, it may well be that the church and any church will have special programs for evangelism. But you know, for us, wherever God has put us, it should be just part of our life. Where our behavior, how we live, and what we say go together. I think we allow our behavior to speak to people we show love and friendship towards them and at the same time we're looking for natural opportunities not to force it natural opportunities to be able to share something of our faith. Some people just want their lives to speak. That's not enough. 
Jesus lived a perfect life until he was 30. Որտեղ Քրիստոսը լրիվ կյանքը ունեցավ իր աշխարհի մեջ. Nobody ever came to follow him. Nobody came to follow him. Ոչ ու չեկավ նրան հետևելու։ Oh, that right? Nobody ever came to follow him to become a follower of his. But after he was 30, he still lived a perfect life. But he spoke. And then people began to follow. There are other people that just speak all the time. And their behavior isn't good. And if somebody says your behavior speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. But may the Lord help us. Where we are with our families. Uh, with our neighbors where we work where we study wherever we meet people that through our lives our behavior and through what we say to them people will find that Christ is the way the truth and the life I'll finish with this short story that I told people yesterday. You remember in the Old Testament when the people of Israel were living in a place called Samaria. And the enemy came and surrounded the city. Nobody could go out. Nobody could come in. And, and there were four lepers who lived just outside the gate of the city. And their food was usually the uh, the rubbish that was thrown from the wall of the city. But because nobody could go in and out of the city, there was a great famine there. And it was a very bad situation. But it was also bad for these lepers. I mean, it got so bad there wasn't even any rubbish. He said, what can we do? He said, let's go across to the enemy to their camp. Maybe they might give us some... If they kill us, we're going to die here anyway. Off they went to the camp. When they got there, there was nobody there. Everybody had fled. Because they heard, they heard a great sound from the other side and they thought another enemy was coming. 
I mean, God had done all this, of course. And these lepers, they went into the tents. And they found all the food they wanted. All this money, all these clothes. But after a while, one of them said, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. Let's go and tell the people. Now, these four people could have said, we're going to have nothing to do with them down there. When have they thought about us? When have they given food to us? No, it's, it's now it's our turn. But no, they realized that they were not doing right. And they got up and went back. And they gave the good news. Look, there's food over there. What a lesson for us. We believe Jesus is the bread of life. Now we can either just keep it to ourselves. Or we can say this is a day of good news. Let's go and tell. May the Lord help each one of us to tell this good news to others. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the command of Christ that sends us. And we realize that you have given us a message that cannot be found anywhere else. It does bring change into their lives. It does give us a hope for the future. That whenever death is going to come, we're ready. We thank you that you have helped us to find the truth. We thank you for forgiving our sins. And yet, Father, we realize that you've not done all this for us so that we just keep it to ourselves. You want to send us. And we thank you for your power that helps us. We ask again, Lord, that you will help us to realize that you have not given us a spirit of fear. But a spirit of power. Help us, Lord, where you have put us. In the home. In that shop. 
Wherever we are, we ask, Lord, that you will help us to seek to use every opportunity. That both through our lives, how we live, and what we say to people, will help them to realize that we have found the bread of life. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, it's when Christos Jan of there. Amen.